0: From Digitiki.com
1: Girls, I'm afraid we may be in for some trouble. There's a chance a Marubi may have returned to this island.
0: Those
2: headhunters? Oh golly, Professor, what do we do? The first thing we ought to do is hide our heads. (laughs) Welcome.
0: back to the Quiet Village, folks. I'm your host, Digitiki, coming at you, l- well, almost live, from Digitiki.com in the heart of the Quiet Village. It's good to have you back to the Quiet Village, folks. A lot has been going on. Um, I do apologize for not having an episode for quite some time, but I have a really good excuse. I just had my first child, so... I'm quite happy. My my daughter Elise Michelle was born March 16th, so I am I am uh, quite the doting father. Also, quite the very busy person now. <laughs> it's uh, a little crazy, as I'm sure a lot of the, a lot of you with kids know. But uh, I am back. This is the first episode uh, since then. I'm happy to to get back into the groove. I got some really good stuff coming up. Got a great interview coming up in the last half of the show with uh, Mr. Ho, the leader of Mr. Ho's Orchestratica. Uh, Brian O'Neill is his name. Had a great interview with him. He just put out two wonderful albums. One of them is is a great Esquivel tribute and the other one is some really cool modern exotica. That's coming up. Also got a lot of news on some vintage uh, reissues both in digital and uh, digital download and CD format but first let's get rolling I want to dedicate this first song to my daughter Elise this is a great tune by Max Bygraves welcome to the quiet village little one
3: My baby smiles at me My heart goes roaming to paradise And when my baby smiles at me There's such a wonderful light in her eyes The kind of light That means just love The kind of love That brings sweet harmony I sigh, I cry It's just a glimpse of heaven When my baby Smiles at me. Oh, when my baby, my little baby, when she smiles at me, my heart goes roaming, roaming. Is everybody happy? And when my baby smiles at me, There's such a wonderful light in her eyes The kind of light that means just love The kind of love that brings sweet harmony I sigh and I cry It's just a glimpse of heaven when my baby smiles at me. Come on, baby, one little smile.
0: All right, some great tunes right there. Kicking off that little mini set was a dedication to my daughter, Elise. That was a tune called When My Baby Smiles at Me by Max Bygraves from his uh, really great collection. Uh, it's a double CD set called The Deck of Years. Unfortunately, it's only available in uh, England, but uh, it's it's a great collection. Uh, In the middle of that set, we heard Juan Carlos Esquivel from his album Four Corners of the World. That was a tune called Tico Tico, and I actually played that because later on we're going to have Brian O'Neill, who's the maestro for Mr. Ho's Orchestratica, up to talk about his album, two of his albums, one of which is an Esquivel tribute that must be heard to be believed. It's quite good. And at the end of that set, we had Rene Paulo with the title track from his album, Heat Wave. And I played that one because it has just been reissued as a digital download. There has been really a whole boatload of vintage LPs that have been reissued by the essential media group, Label, And it appears that almost all of these releases were originally on Hi-Fi Records. Uh, now, if you remember, Hi-Fi Records was Arthur Lyman's home label. Um, and there's been a whole bunch of these reissued. Uh, There were some that were really special recordings in this group. In 2008, we saw Collector's Choice release um, almost all of the entire Arthur Lyman catalog on CD, generously with two albums on one CD, all of which were from the master tapes, and that was really good. There were a few missing, though, like uh, Hawaiian Sunset Volume 2, Aloha Amigo. Uh, Call of the Midnight Sun, to name... to name, uh, Actually, I think those were the only ones that were missing. However, now we have Essential Media Group who has re-released all, and I mean all, of the Lyman LPs on CD. This time, one album per CD. There's almost no liner notes, but these are from the master tapes. So, uh, now, following that, we are seeing a huge bunch of releases, most from Hi-Fi records. You know, I I frequently browse iTunes for new releases, but this time I was surprised to find that these new new Hi-Fi, or I guess I should say Essential Media Group releases, were not on iTunes, but they were available through Amazon's download service, all of which for $8.99 a piece. That's about a buck cheaper than iTunes, which is usually $9.99 for an album. Surprisingly enough, you can also purchase them on CD as well from Amazon for $12.99. It seems that these are CDs that are created on demand rather than from, from a stockpile. So if you order it, the CD is, is created and then sent to you, so you're you know if you download it you're saving a few extra bucks It's the same thing. there's not uh, really any liner notes, so you know there's you can you can kind of weigh that uh, some of the releases really neat stuff Jack Bongo Burger the end on Bongo's album was released uh, this kind of sounds like it's from an LP master there's a few minor pops and clicks, so I'm not you know. You know how I feel about that. I, I love to have the, the full enchilada, but that's cool. Uh, you might remember this one from the uh, Part 2 episode of Rare Vinyl with Jeff Schnalt that we did not too long ago. He brought a track from this LP, which was on his list of one of the rarest exotic Lounge LPs out there. Uh, now you can download it or purchase it on CD, which is, which is quite nice. Also, uh, Bongos, Reeds, and Brass by Bob Florence, Big Band, which is a great one of those uh, classic mid-century percussion type of releases. Uh, Also, uh, quite a few by Charles K.L. Davis, uh, one of which is At the Royal Hawaiian, which is a great one. Basically at the Royal Hawaiian, great album cover art as well, and uh, songs of Hawaii as well as Adventures in Paradise also available. George Wright goes South Pacific is another great one, and that, that the cover of that is actually uh, featured in the book of Tiki. Uh, it's He's an organist, George Wright, uh, he, he plays the organ, and he does songs from the hit musical South Pacific. Uh, also, like I said earlier, Heat Wave by the uh, pianist Renee Paolo, complete with the original cover art of The Nude Woman in the Hammock. Really nice stuff. Uh, also, Whispering Sands by Renee Polo. Still haven't seen Black Coral, which was uh, a re- released digitally, though. Uh, this is, in my opinion, pa- Apollo's best, uh, and features uh, swinging versions of the Lao song, My Little Grass Shack, Hawaiian War Chant, just to name a few. That one I'm really hoping we'll see uh, Black Coral released, but that uh, is not one of them, sadly enough so let's actually you know let's let's play a few i'm gonna do let's do a tune by let's do a little mini set here we'll do a jack bongo burger we'll do a charles kl davis from his album at the royal hawaiian and we'll also do a george wright goes south pacific right here on the quiet village
2: love you my heart in my heart
0: All right, that was called Why Kapoo by the Surfers from their album On the Rocks, which is available as a digital download only, not available on iTunes, I mean uh, as on CD, but it is available from Amazon as a digital download. I, I'm not sure if this is on uh, iTunes or not. All of the Surfers albums actually have been released as digital downloads. The Surfers uh, at High Tide, The Surfers Sing Hit Movie Songs from The Exotic Island, The Island's Call, On the Rocks, and Tahiti, as well as their Christmas from Hawaii album, have all been reissued as digital downloads on Amazon.com. Some of which are available on iTunes, but they are not all on iTunes. They are all available on Amazon, so definitely go check those out. Before that, we heard Charles K. L. Davis from his album At the Royal Hawaiian, vintage LP with some great cover artwork. That was actually the, the the first track on the album, which is called At the Royal Hawaiian. And before that, we heard China Mambo by Jack Bongo Burger from his album The End on Bongo's. Great cover artwork. It's got a woman sitting on bongo's. Hence the name. And you know, I actually had a whole lot of new material that I wanted to show you. New release material uh, and reissue stuff. There's a whole lot going on, but unfortunately I am running out of time. Because I have a very special interview that I would like to play with you. I met up with uh, Brian O'Neill, who is the maestro for Mr. Ho's Orchestratica. And uh, that group has put out... Two really amazing albums. And I met up with Brian, or I should say, oh, I met up with Brian uh, via telephone. And we talked a lot about Mr. Ho's Orchestratica and his work, both with Esquivel and with uh, this with new Exotica that is called uh, Third Stream Exotica. Welcome, Brian. How are you? <laughs> I really, really dig these two albums that you just put out, they're really, really good, I have to say. Were you one of the founding members of Waitiki?
1: Yes, in terms of, I guess, playing the playing in the original quartet, um, yes, I guess you could say that. I mean, Abe and, Abe and Randy really started the group when they moved out, or had the emphasis to start, um, start the group, and then they went on a search for uh, oh. a percussionist and vibraphone player. And uh so we hooked up and then it was after that when we started kicking. So I don't know if they actually ever performed prior to me being involved, but essentially I was there at the beginning.
0: Special No, you got a show tomorrow night as well.
1: Um, yes, next uh, March eighteenth. So that's the next uh, the blast blowout New York City Esquivel, Big Dan, Shebangaroo. So
0: Yeah. That is actually the one I wanna uh, talk about first is is the uh the unforgettable sounds of Escavel, right? For Okay, I want to make sure I got it right. Um, when I first heard them, I was just, um, I was floored. I mean, did you get the arrangements, or did you have to redo the arrangements from scratch?
1: Yeah, these, all of the material has been transcribed. So sitting down, listening to the music, and try to write out everything that you hear uh, back on the paper. Actually, we do it, I write it into the computer. material, all of his uh, scores were lost. Unfortunately, I've heard stories that have been buried or they were burned or the storage container was basically tossed because the bills went unpaid while he was uh, back in Mexico and uh, unfortunately um, a lot of his efforts just uh, gone (laughs) with history. So so whatever you hear us playing has been (laughs) meticulously analyzed and played thousands of times probably in my head.
0: Well, it's absolutely flawless. I mean, I was listening to this going, it's a recording of, of the Esquivel Orchestra just now. It sounds so spot-on
1: Oh well, thank you.) I- I continue to edit them. I mean, this pro- that project originally was an offshoot of a white tiki thing that that I had started probably around in two thousand five. Uh, I really had a lot of interest in trying to to really spend the time to get them to sound just like what you said. So it feels really good when someone says, you know, I can't tell the difference, or I like to play them side by side, and you know, things like that. It makes me feel good because our, our attempt is really to to try to relive, you know, or not relive, but to recreate. You know his sound in a live capacity so people can kind of enjoy enjoy the material off their hi-fi and in-person uh, as accurately as possible. So you know, whenever I have a show, I try to go back and, and uh, edit uh, the charts again. I, I take, A lot of times what I do is I collect printouts from some of the key players in the bands that play with us, and uh, I rework all of their pencil edits back into the scores. So it's kind of like you have this living these living files over time that, you know, gradually get as You learn about foreign articulations and, you know, just wrong notes occasionally here and there are voicings that needed to be changed. Uh-huh. Uh, I try to keep them up to date with the players, you know, the musicians that actually live with them and that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, so, but I, I'm really happy and felt like I had gotten to the point where it was time to record some of them. Um, and, uh, and now you, now you've, everyone can have a copy of the record and okay. hear Thank you.
0: And listening to that, you know, being somewhat of a musician myself i I was totally cognizant of the fact that this must have been an amazing amount of work that you put into I mean the original recordings must have been insanely complex to do did you yeah. did you learn any any insights into into Esquivel's arranging or his composition ideas or any insights that you didn't have prior to going into that? There
1: are people that definitely know Brother Cleve and Erwin Choucet and and a lot of people that know way more about his personal life and who he married and where he played at and this (laughs) club and that club. And I don't know very little about that stuff. But what I do know a lot about is, you know, idiosyncrasies, his ranging style. Um, I learned a ton about that. Uh, the, the real musical aspects uh, of his arranging. Um, just by going through this, you start to see patterns occasionally, uh, you know, ideas that he likes to reuse um, that becomes part of his, you know, signature sound and things like that. So it was a it, it was a nice process to go through that and kind of get to, it's like you're getting to know someone. It's kind of like you're able to communicate, uh, and I don't know how to really explain it, but you, you feel like you have a connection almost there um, that you kind of just are fit and, and as you take on a new chart or decide that you're going to transcribe something new, they go sometimes go a little bit faster, or you kind of detect little patterns like, well, it sounds like this, but it probably actually is doing this.
0: I, I tend to geek out on the technical aspect of some of this stuff, and especially when I listen to the, uh, the original recordings of Esquivel. It, it, technically, it's just mind-blowing, because it's almost like, even though I'm sure this was very tedious for him to, to arrange and write out originally, when you hear it all together, with just you know like the accordion coming in at one incredibly low note, just one note, and then followed by you know some really blatty trombones or something hitting a, another note in rapid succession. It, it almost has this kind of schizophrenic but cool in a cool way kind of sound.
1: drop in the most random sound for a bar or two, you know, and it kind of just fits part of his character, I think, are these these almost like interruptions or interjections that just almost seem like they don't belong there, like, you know, arranging one-on-one, things not to do, you know, you've got those lust chords and the brass is playing the shout chord, like, you don't interject a xylophone and bass trombone passage out of nowhere, but he does it all the time and kind of turns it into his own his own you know uh, signature sound so to speak so
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's really kind of it's neat to listen to it's almost like somebody musically thinking out loud and thinking and being distracted at the same time yes So for you to record that, I mean, there's so many different instruments. Your, your performing band is, is how big?
1: Um, it varies, uh, but we're kind of settling around 22 players right now. I, I found a place where I could optimize in the woodwinds a little bit. We, we actually recorded with 23 players. Um, that usually comes down to woodwind doubling. And depending on the gig and, and that kind of thing, we, we might bring in a, a dedicated you know, sax player, dedicated flautist, but realistically we're kind of settling around in the 22-person 22, uh, 22 era. So Wow, yeah. that,
0: that's a size of band you don't see much anymore these days.
1: <laughs> no, you don't, and that's why uh, <laughs> we don't perform all too often.
0: It must be impressive yeah. to see and hear live. I, I wish I could come to that show. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully one of these days you'll do a live DVD or something of it.
1: Yeah, we have some plans uh, in that department. Um, we did have some stuff taped um, with a film crew at our CD release. Yeah, there's there's definitely some some intent or something like that to, to potentially put out something like that. Um, well, good luck. Yeah, we never know.
0: Good luck. That would be amazing to see and to hear. So, well, if
1: your listeners like, they can go to spacebigband.com space, or orchestratica.com if you can actually spell that. And uh, we have photos up uh, on the site. You can check out uh, what it looks like to see the the big band, uh, you know, in all of its glory. It's it's pretty wild because there's a a massive percussion footprint. I'm a percussionist primarily, so I like that. We actually uh, generally perform with the rhythm instruments in front of the band instead of behind the band, which is more typical for what you'd see in an orchestral setting Mm -hmm. or even a big band setting. They usually always put the cool stuff to look at in the back. So in our group, we have a barimba, xylophone, spiel, timpani, gong, piano, four congas, you know, steel guitar, singers, all that stuff gets pushed up to the front, and we usually try to put the uh, winds uh, up on risers or higher up behind the group so that people can actually see. You can kind of see it, like, see the sound, you know, <laughs> just like Escabel said. You can actually see these instruments, and, and you're not craning your neck to, you know, see what the steel guitar looks like. Because a lot of people haven't seen... Of these things, you don't you don't often get to see what the professionals are doing when they're running around and you know trying to catch all the parts that are in there. So, uh, I found that you know fans have told me they really like being able to kind of get up front and get right in the front and see you know see what's happening uh, as as the music is being played. And I think that's part of the fun of of seeing the group when you can stare. You can spend a few minutes staring at one person, and when you can see see their hands or you can see them playing, I think what it does is it allows you to connect. Um, what you're saying to what you're hearing so you can actually start to pick out that's the oboe line or that's the timpani solo or that's the you know, the bass flute part. Uh, it, as if, you know, if you're not a musician, it may be a little more difficult to actually pull out one instrument and kind of focus on what that person's doing, but when you can see them coordinating fingers with what you're hearing in your ear, I think that's probably what you're getting at with, you know, being able to connect with the music a little bit more because it kind of just it allows you to kind of move around and, and, and check out different stuff and kind of get in the zone with that one thing. I I, I love to do the same thing. fun to play, the hardest for me to play is the piano part on Boulevard of Broken Dreams. But I think for a standard tune that I think is really, like, I think Andalusia is it's just, in every bit of Esquivel and, and every cliche and everything about him, if you needed to define what he is to somebody in, like, two minutes and 42 seconds, then you can play Andalusia, and I think someone's going to immediately understand, like, what he did to the music when he arranged it.
0: So, yeah. well, I guess that kind of answers the next question, which was, what did you find the most challenging or the hardest tune? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I actually know that for, so I can definitely answer that one clearly. Uh, the piano part for me, I, I was a classical pianist before I really moved over into percussion studies, and I still play a little bit. So I play most of the piano stuff. I, am, I, I do transition pieces over to our organist, Rusty, um, but I did do the piano parts on Boulevard, and that piano solo is, is, is pretty challenging. It's just very it's very noddy in that kind of Escabel way. Um, so it's fast. So <laughs> yeah. that one I have to practice and kind of keep up every time we pull the charts out and then <laughs> have a gig. I have to really just get my muscles back up for that one. But in terms of transcribing, the most difficult chart is is um, not on the record because of this. <laughs> it's hardly. <laughs> <laughs> I spent hours like trying to figure that out, and, and, and uh, I, I finally figured it out actually in December. At least in a way that I'm more satisfied with presenting because I felt back we play this and the band would not sound great, and it wasn't their fault because you know they're playing what what I wrote down. <laughs> but now when we play it, it's actually like I think that's actually pretty right. We you know we don't have quite the same number of, of players. I think his his orchestra was bigger than ours, so it has a little fuller sound. But I spent a ton of time on it, and I think I finally figured out what he was doing there. And that, that has been by far the hardest part. And I was kind of bummed not to it on the record, because it is a classic kind of Esquivel sound. And, and our uh. singer, we have a great soprano. Uh, the other ones are much easier compared to that one.
0: <laughs> sure. So. Well, it, it, the the record is so impressive. I mean... I I got my hats off to you, because my jaw was on the floor when I heard it, because it's like this wall of sound, and it's spot on. You did such a good job.
1: You know, we didn't want to skip on the recording. I really like to put out, you know, great quality recordings. We actually did a live recording in a beautiful studio. It was a former Masonic Temple, actually. Um, So it's about the size of a small gym, Um, and we did the whole thing live, and, you know, so... Mostly because of the production costs, it, it will probably be a while before we do another one. But it's not out of the not out of the you know possibility, I guess I could say. And you know, the other thing is that Mr. Ho's Orchestratica, uh, despite its name, is primarily focused on um, the Exotica group. The, mm-hmm. the uh, quartet slash quintet occasionally were, were five pieces. Mo-
0: moving on, you were talking about the third stream Exotica, and which which would bring us to your newest album which is the uh, the Third River Rangoon. It's a really okay. nice mood piece. Thank you. Tell me about the genesis of, of this album.
1: My idea really with the beginning of all this was to record the quartets, because I had started back in 2009 when I kind of formed the quartet. Um, I had been out of the kind of exotica scene for a while, and I kind of had was getting the itchings to to get playing more vibes and to like start writing and, and I just had compositional ideas and, and I was especially like kind of drawn to taking stuff from classical music and, and reworking things and, and it kind of reminded me Well, there was that whole fruit stream movement, which, you know, I didn't know about, but, but it's not the first time that's been tried. It actually kind of got started out here in Boston with Gunther Schuller and, and kind of the, the dealing with conservatory scene from what I understand. I think I just had ideas from my own compositions kind of brewing in my head. Um, I, I do a lot of percussion playing with different groups uh, around Boston as a result of playing with a lot of world music groups. I mean, I play with a Sephardic group that plays, you know, sings sings in Latino and it's, it all sounds like flamenco and Middle Eastern music. I was playing in a Southern Italian folk band playing percussion there. I have a Mexican Son Trio that plays regional, uh, three styles of regional Mexican folk music. Wow. Um, I also play fana, which is a Balkan group, and the Kleswoods, which is a Klezmer Balkan jazz crossover thing. So, um, but I also have an orchestral background. I mean, I, I studied and got a percussion degree in, in Arizona, and I... Um, I have that side of me. I guess that's always probably going to be coming more from an orchestral percussionist kind of standpoint. So I guess it gave me an opportunity to kind of slam all this stuff together and, uh, and, and kind of the spirit of the third stream, which was, you know, again, a, a lot of written out. There's a lot of written out compositions, a lot of stuff that's specifically expressed for the instruments, but then there's a lot of area you know, for improvisation and, and changing up pieces. So, The Tchaikovsky, we we took the Arab dance um, from the the Nutcracker ballet, and I was like, well, it's called the Arab dance, the piece is like far from Arabic in any way, <laughs> so why not add an oud to it? Because I play with an oud players, pulling from all these different things that I've been exposed to. I guess is what's coming out in the record uh, with just the different rhythm ideas and and all of that. So. music for a like basically what is a, a jazz quartet, Mason, um, was just really appealing right there. So I immediately, and I, I really wanted to have a great flute player because that sound to me of the, especially alto and low flute sound, with vibraphone, that's like one of the core sounds of Exotica for me. Well, I ended up with whatever the soft tunes that you hear on the recording and they kind of really span different styles from flat jazz to the classic Arthur Lyman sound. I like to do one of those on the record just to for the fans that really know that style and and like what Lyman was doing and then to the more experimental uh, pieces like Moai Thief um, that have some Shostakovich in them and some minimalism in them and some Martin Denny hints and you know
0: and you actually threw on a, a Milt Raskin piece yes liked your take on that.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that's a great tune. Brother Cleese, a uh, pal of mine who produced these recordings, I'm sure most of your listeners all know who he is. Um, he uh, gave me that record for my birthday a couple years ago, actually, um, and thought I would enjoy it, and, and I really did. And and that, that tune, just when I heard it, I was like, I should totally do this. This would be a great, it's also a great feature for Getty, because it really exposes the, the flute aspect. and. It's just a great tune, and, and you don't hear that so much with. At least I don't know of any other Exotica bands that cover Bill Raskin and some of the more obscure artists. So True. I thought it'd be nice to kind of put something familiar on there, but it's just not another Martin Denny tune per se. Sure. So, um, so we put that one on there.
0: Your whole, you know, talking about doing, uh, you know, combining the different instruments and maybe having them, you know, play slightly differently than they you know, to get a. In other words, trying to get new. Slightly unusual sounds that you may not that may not be so standard with the particular instrument or the combining of the instruments is, is very is very smack dab in the heart of the exotica ideas to bring something different and unusual sounding.
1: It kind of like exotica I guess the nice thing about it to me as a musician is that it's not that you can throw anything around but it's almost like you can use it as a catch-all category to, to have a safe zone for trying stuff. And I, and I think sure. it's safe for both the, the the players, but it's also safe for the listeners because it's like you don't have to really get it or get too heady about it. And, and, and this is like, uh, I'm kind of tangent here on my whole thing about like jazz music and what I think a lot of jazz musicians have done to the audience and they've created a distance between the listener and the performer. And I think Exotica kind of breaks some of those barriers down because people that really like the Exotica sound expect the unexpected and they're comfortable with something new because I feel like I can take these risks and like there's going to be a core group of fans that are going to be at the show and they're going to think it's great just that we're even trying it whether it works or not.
0: Absolutely. It's
1: just a cool framework to have that uh, freedom to I guess express and try out these really disparate ideas. That's kind of what I've tried to do with, with most of the original music on the record. So.
0: Absolutely. Well and, and exotic in general is also a very intimate sort of genre. Yes. There's something yeah, about the, it, you know, being. I like
1: that. Escapism is something I always talk when people don't, like, know what Exotica is. I kind of talk about what I do want to have in the group is that the spirit of escapism, and like you just said, turning the, down the lights in your basement. And I think that thing that all the, like, the Tiki heads and, and people that like the Tiki culture, they, they all can relate to mind to turn the lights down and kind of escape with your headphones or your stereo and your cocktail and really just, like, chill out. And, and kind of be taken away to whatever faux islands that does not even exist, that exist in your mind. I like to think about that concept of kind of helping people escape from the real life, you know, the windows and, and the lights outside. You know, it's
0: basement time. <laughs> absolutely.
1: So, I don't know if that makes sense. But oh,
0: kind of the... well, you've done it because I, that's exactly how I like to listen to this album, and 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 you are absolutely correct because the first time when I heard it, it was like uh, my thought was, "Hey, this is this is Exotica, but it's got a slight modern slant to it that's quite refreshing, actually."
1: Well, good. Then I feel like at least one person. <laughs> <laughs> got the thing out of it that I intended so <laughs> again we have both recordings available they're they're on our website you can and we have them on iTunes and all those great places um, the tech record will be out in uh, June but the uh, big band record is available now um, and uh, you can go to com and uh, we actually have it, the Third River Rangoon available for pre sale so if you want to get your sale out of the way right now we'll ship it as soon as we start doing the shipments
2: there and, you going uh, and I
1: also wanted to thank if any of your listeners were contributors we did uh we did do some crowdsourcing of the funding to help offset some of the costs for the recordings, and i'm I'm sure some of your listeners here are people that donated uh, to the project. so I, I just wanted to say thanks to anyone that did that and they'll be getting, they'll be getting their copies a little bit earlier since they were especially cool.
0: Well, so. fantastic. <laughs> I, I once again, I gotta say i'm you know I'm just uh, I'm in awe of both the Esquivel and I just and I'm in love with this second album it's just it's so nice to listen to so Great. Well, thank you. congratulations and you know I, I I I'm sure it was quite exhausting doing especially the the, the Esquivel album but I I want to encourage you to keep going I hope this is only the beginning of many many more we'll see <laughs> fantastic Big mahalos go out to Brian O'Neill, the maestro for Mr. Ho's Orchestratica, for uh, sitting down and talking with me, actually at great length, about some of the uh, the real technical aspects. I tend to geek out a lot on it, so mahalo, Brian, for that, and uh, I really want to encourage everybody to, to definitely go to uh, Mr. Ho's Orchestratica website and check out the stuff and buy these albums. They are Really, really good. Well, you know what that means. Uh, My Mai Tai is empty, and it is the end of another episode here at The Quiet Village. I want to thank you all for visiting The Quiet Village, and I hope you enjoyed the tunes on this island. I will be back very soon. I promise this time I will be back very soon with another episode. So until next time, I want to leave you with the sound of... Juan Carlos Esquivel, as done by Mr. Ho's Orchestratica. This is one of uh, his favorite tunes, as well as one of my favorite tunes, on their album, The Unforgettable Sounds of Esquivel. Here is Antalusia. Until next time, aloha, everybody.